everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Good evening and welcome. This is Brooke Folk. I'm your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook Revelation of Revelation. What you're about to hear on tonight's episode of Revelation has never been revealed before now in this audio format, and we want you to listen in as we introduce this evening's program about baptizing baptisms. It's a program topic that is very much misunderstood, misaligned, or have no idea whatsoever does it mean. So listen in now on this one-of-a-kind program where it is the scriptures that speaks the truth through the in-depth scripture studies of Ken Vernon. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And welcome to everyone who has joined us tonight. We will share a topic with you that has been with Christianity for centuries upon centuries. I can remember seeing others go through this, what they call a christening process, I have seen my younger siblings go through the process. After I started learning the scriptures, I always remember that the scripture says, repent and be baptized. So what is this christening that I see? An infant certainly has nothing to repent about. So why is it being as they call it, baptized. Well, let me not get off too far here. Let me let me begin with the the program which I have prepared on to you tonight, because there are many facets to it. One can question John's baptism, and one can spend an enormous amount of time looking at the various things that occurred at the time of John's baptism of the Messiah. We can ask, did he get the Holy Spirit at that time? And why was John baptizing him? Again, we can go on to asking many questions about John's baptism. But tonight, we're not going to focus on John's baptism. That's for another program. Tonight we're going to look at the fact that baptism in all the churches, no matter which religion it is, 
is one of the most misunderstood doctrines to be found in the Bible. Multiple millions practice some form of it by following the traditions of their predecessors. Little do they realize they are not in tune with the scriptures. The truth, as always, is paramount in any religious ritual or setting in which we indulge. Failing to observe the command to continue in the word in order to come to the place of the knowledge of the truth, millions for centuries have worshipped their creator in vain. By looking at the scriptures and comparing them with what is generally being taught in mainstream religion today, we find nothing but appalling ignorance. Here's one example. Some churches teach infant baptism shortly after birth. <coughs> Excuse me. While others practice both infant and adult baptism. In the Bible, there are specific instructions regarding baptism by whom and when. Let's look at some of those examples. Messiah commanded his disciples to go into the world and preach the good news because repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. From Luke 24 and verse 47. But he also instructed them to wait in Jerusalem until they were given power from above, from the Father. <coughs> Excuse me once again. This is a dry night. <laughs> Let me continue. That event took place on the Festival of First Fruits called Pentecost, a word not found in Scripture. But those who tampered with the Scriptures removed the Hebrew festival Shavuot, or Shabbat, which translated into English means first fruits, and replaced it with the word Pentecost. That said, I'll move on. They were not to leave Jerusalem without that power that will be given to them from above. That assignment could not be accomplished without that power. That happens to be crystal clear. Here's the catch. All the people who were given those instructions died at least 1,900 years ago. Excuse me. That power was never passed on to any other religious group, no matter what name they have assumed. The people to whom they were sent are also dead. We today have no such instructions to go out and preach the good news, with or without that power. 
And as the scripture says, and he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the good news unto every creature. And these signs shall accompany the ones who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall lay hands upon the sick, and the sick shall be made well. These are signs that would go with the apostles as they preached to the people who were being called. Yes, they went into the world of their day, but the message was not for everyone. The message was only for those who were being called. Note, some of the believers, having received the gift of healing, would certainly have power to heal the sick and speak in a language, among other things, as the Spirit that they receive gave them the power to move forward. It is important to note that healing would be for church members only, not for the world. It occurred by the laying on of hands of the of the believer who was given that gift of healing. The apostles then the apostles would then be able to identify that believer as a member of the body. That was a sign, one of the many signs that they would look for to see the people to know them who were being called. Now, if you think about that, and you look at today's baptism that is practiced, you realize that no one today has that power to tell who and who or who is not being called from who is being called because those signs are not there. They are no longer any manifestations of the dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to show anyone who is being called. Let's continue with the adult baptism that is also practiced by many. Let's look at one of the classic misused passages in the book of Acts by just about every religious organization today and how it is twisted, twisted by the people who bring them to the churches, the ministry, that is, to show their own interpretation of what those scriptures say. For that, I will turn to Acts chapter 10, and I will give you what Acts chapter 10 says and show you the problem that is sitting there, a major problem, as a matter of fact, not a small one by any chance. In the book of Acts chapter 10, 
we find an event where the first, the lead apostle, apostle to the Gentiles, Shimon, the one the the people who adulterated the scriptures called Peter. Tonight I will read through this, and I will read it exactly as it sits here. Chapter 10 says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italians, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision round about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, <coughs> excuse me once again, he was afraid. What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Your prayers and your arms I'll come up for a memorial for a memorial before God. And he gives him some instructions, and here they are. He says, Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. And when the angel which had spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. <coughs> Excuse me again. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto him, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Here is Peter's response that is totally washed away by the people who bring you a twist on the scripture. The voice comes to him saying, Rise, Peter, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. In mainstream religious circles today, this is the scripture that the priests, the ministers, whomever they are, use to show that 
you can eat any kind of animal you please. It's not okay. They purposely disregard Peter's response. Peter simply says, Not so, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I know it looks like I'm straying a little bit from my point of baptism, but I thought I would bring that to your attention. Because eventually, this chapter shows you exactly why Peter was shown that that sheep that was left down from heaven. Let me continue. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time. What God has cleansed, that called thou not common or unclean. This was done three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, here's Peter. He's doubting this because he knows he knows the health laws that were delivered to him from the pen of Moses, what to eat, what not to eat. So, he, he goes on. Peter, still doubting what this vision meant, said, <clears throat> sorry, let me back up. Now, while Peter doubted in himself, what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the man which was sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek you. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek, and what is the cause whereof you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to bear, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied them. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius, waiting for them, had all his household gathered together, and his friends, close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. Now Cornelius has a house full of people because he sent, he was instructed, sent for this apostle, and here's the apostle. Let me continue. And as he talked with him 
he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how, and this is the key, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one, come on to one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. The sheep that was left down with the unclean animals was Peter's signal at this point to show him that the Gentiles were now being called. The Gentiles who were once unclean are no longer unclean. They're being called. He continues, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent, as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, for what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in a bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard, your arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore the dropper, call for Peter, and the story goes on. And Peter responds. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh, worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Messiah, he is Lord of all. That word I say unto you, that word I say, you know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Hint, the word baptism there is where we're going. How God anointed Yeshua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witnesses that through his name whosoever believed it in him shall receive remission of sins. Catch the word there. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Notice Peter does not say anything about baptism at that point. Baptism, which was before 
indicating that one must go through that process. Let me continue. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter... No, I need to back up. Wrong remission of sins. While Peter yet spake with these, spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered. Here's Peter now. After these people received the Holy Spirit from the hearing of the word, they believed and the Holy Spirit was given to them according to their belief. But here is Peter. He says, Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? See the problem there? It was based upon their belief that they were given the Holy Spirit. There was no need for baptism at this point. But I guess Peter was hedging his bets. He figured, hey, I better baptize these people. So the story goes on. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed them. Him, Then prayed they him to tarry certain days with him. Here we have a perfect example of people receiving the Holy Spirit without baptism. That for many is unheard of, is unacceptable. They are totally unaware of the fact that the people, the apostles, who were sent to baptize are no longer with us. They cannot deliver those instructions that were given to them at the time. Now, what we have is the people who believe. And the Creator seeing when you believe gives you His Holy Spirit. That removes any need whatsoever for baptism for adults. Now, as far as the baptism for children that is done, there are absolutely no instructions whatsoever to baptize infants. Absolutely none. It's not in your Bibles. You can follow your church, church teachings all you like it will mean absolutely nothing because the people who were sent out to actually do that job all passed away some 1,900 years ago and they can no longer serve us. We are served today by the Holy Spirit 
that we receive when we follow the instructions from the Messiah to continue in his word. And it it is through our obedience to that command that we come away with the knowledge of the truth by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that is given to us. Baptism is no longer required. Baptism was removed in the first century, some 1900 years ago. You can do your homework, you can read the scriptures, you can see clearly that baptism is an empty exercise anywhere today. It means absolutely nothing. Back to you, bro. Thank you, Ken. Tonight's topic on baptism One week ago, in a traditional church program, the preacher paused and said, the next point of service will be baptism of a young couple. They have a child here with them, an infant, but they chose to affirm their faith to be immersed in the waters of our baptismal tank that was running for at least a good 20 minutes into the service And that rushing of the water from the spigots into that metal tank was so disconcerting, so uh, taking away from what was being talked about, couldn't uh, concentrate. And then when it was time to be immersed, the preacher pardoned himself for about five minutes into a back room while another song was spoken. And now he came in a pair of shorts and a shirt that was candy cane striped around the pudgy body. It was some sight. And this is how he would get into a faucet cold tank of water. There wasn't a hot water tank in the community big enough to have that continuously filled up for hot water. So it was a leap of faith just to get into that tank and then to have the lady first to be dunked and then the gentleman, the husband, dunked. They suffered greatly. So that was their act of faith in what they were committing themselves to a church. And will we see them again in that church that friends do go and attend, or will they be like so many others who are baptized because of guilt that others before them did in some way, shape, or form? There were actually outside folks who came of different religions to witness their baptism. And I knew that the young people that were witnessing this in the stand were probably in awe for their church sprinkles and or they dot their infants with a little bit of water. So to see full grown-up adults getting into a metal tank during a church service is probably just as odd as if this traditional church went to another to witness how they do it. There are different traditions, maybe one who washes the feet, becomes part of another that is called a dunkard church, which means you'd get dunked when you go to a baptismal 
service. And so the right way, Scripture says no such thing that there is a right way, but it does in some searches that you might do on the Word say that there are seven types of baptism mentioned in Scripture's to add to some of the confusion, there's baptism by fire. What does that mean? So this is a topic, as Mr. Vernon stated in the beginning, is so controversial, so to speak, uh, in the terminology of mankind. What way should we do it? What would be the best way? And what does it really mean? Well, if this uh, topic continues into another program, some of those questions might be answered for you. But we welcome your questions. What do you want to learn about? Teach us by asking us to teach through this program what the scriptures teach, not man's interpretation, but what scriptures reveal. And that's part of Revelation of Revelation. We've grown over the past couple of years in the topics that we've presented to you. We don't uh, enjoy telling everyone that uh, your Bible was full of lies or misleading interpretations by men. That's not the point. The point is you have your own eyes, you have your own ears, you have your own mind. It was given to us by a creator. And don't you think that there was something indwelling within us that had the potential to ask and seek and learn the truth? And as we did, more and more measure of uh, God's truth would be given to us. That's where Ken and myself and others are. Let the teacher teach us through Scripture the truth. And we seek the truth, and it shall set us free the developments of some of the spiritual goings-on in the world today, in these end-of-the-age times, are appalling, yet we have known of them from a long, long time ago. Some of the news is surfacing now of some of these Christianity leaders who have been brought up on charges of abuse, and this is no secret to the religious communities of who they are, but now it is really in the state of Pennsylvania being opened up to the parishioners' eyes that for 40 years this has been going on, that they've been payoffs to keep victims of the priesthoods, if you would, at bay through their financial monies. Well, now... They say the statute of limitations might be up for some of them, but some will do prison time. But as followers of that religion, what kind of messages can you listen to and believe if you know that this has been going on for years, so much so that it becomes comedy topics on TV about that religious upbringing of people? It's just common practice of the meanie attitudes and also the abusive. Uh, it's just appalling to know that we can still follow those who allow it to happen from high up on a sophisticated scale. One of the most wealthiest religions of today brought so low in the news media of today. Yet, what will it be tomorrow? Is this just the beginning? Will people forsake their faith because the truth being told to them where they can't ignore it anymore? 
It's all over the news, for goodness sakes, all over your newspapers. Well, that happened before. A leader in Germany, world havoc, yet it didn't dismay the masses from following that particular warmongrel. I could go on and on, and I do limit my comments, but on certain days, there is topics in the news that uh, just have to be brought up, especially when we are teaching scriptures and the truth from the scriptures. Revelation, you betcha. This time, revelation of revelation is simply saying, open your eyes and seek the truth. You are you. You are one of you. No one else is made like you. And who made you? Your creator whoever and whatever name you want to give to your creator. Follow scriptures, look at the newsletters, you'll find out who God's name is. What about the name of Jesus? Things of this detail and others are all right there for you that Mr. Vernon has outlined for you and shows you the scriptures that you cannot refute. They're just simple. You are seeking, you're coming to these programs, the archive programs, through the talk show format. It's available worldwide. Welcome your questions. Email Vergetti, V-E-R-G-E-D-I, at OptOnline, O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E, dot net. You'll find that information at revelationofrevelation.com. Look for the book at your favorite reading outlet, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and the ebook version as well. So we'll leave you then on this evening's broadcast saying tune in again for more of Revelation of Revelation. And to our next program, this is Brooke Polk on behalf of Ken Vernon saying good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.